Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house. Come on now. Good morning, everybody. It's Labor Day weekend. You don't have to go to work tomorrow. Somebody say amen. That should be exciting to you right there. Hey, let me share some, a couple things with you uh, this morning before we get started. But I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, if you have one, uh, to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to be putting some opportunities in the future um, when we are hiring online, and we want to make sure that you know about those opportunities before others do. And we are right now looking for a part-time children's pastor. If that's something you are interested in or know somebody that would be interested in that, you can go to warehousechurch.com, side slash, backslash, whatever you're supposed to say with that. Is it, is it backslash? Higher, backslash higher. And you could go on there and, and, and inquire about that or just come see me. I don't want to go online. I'll just come talk to Pastor Ed. That's fine. I'd be happy to do that with you. But uh, if you're interested in that, and, and also with our, with our daycare, uh, I know that as our daycare is growing, we're going to need to be hiring uh, some more teachers. And we had some new families enroll this week. We're very excited about that. And uh, we're, we know that that's going to continue to grow. So if, you, if that's something you'd be interested in, we would invite you to go online and you can do the same thing for that. Also, Wednesday nights, I'm really excited about our Wednesday nights. Our summer's, summer's done. Wednesday nights start up again this week. And we're starting with growth groups for this semester all the way through uh, pretty much the end of the year. And uh, what we're going to be doing <clears throat> is having a, uh, like a primary Bible study right inside this room that I'm going to lead and some different uh, folks at a church are going to lead. I'm going to do it most of the time, but sometimes I have other meetings I'm going to go to uh, that are here with, uh, with some of our leaders and teach them. But every Wednesday night in this room will be a growth group, and we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. We're going to be going deep into the book of Philippians. And I would invite you to be a part of that. I love this study myself. I'm gonna be starting it the first three or four weeks. I'll be doing it probably two to three times a month at least. I know our ladies, again, are starting uh, this week uh, with our ladies group, and they're gonna be meeting just the first Wednesday of the month and the rest of the Wednesdays. We would invite you to come in here. Uh, But our guys are gonna be in here. Couples that wanna be together are gonna be in here. We would invite you to be here Wednesday night, 6.30 for our growth groups. And we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. Uh, our, our youth group's going to be uh, meeting at the same time. Our children's ministry has a good, great program on Wednesday nights they're going to be doing. So we would invite you to be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to Wednesday nights here at Warehouse Church. And then the last thing I'll share with you, come on with that. last thing I'll share with you is... Um, we're extending our time for our matching gift fund. We know a lot of people were away in August. We want to get this, uh, the rest of these uh, resources brought in uh, to take care of our, not our electric bill. Our electric bill is paid every month in our lease, but to pay for the electric that was done for our construction. And we want to get that finished, paid off as soon as possible. So be praying about that and how you can participate in that matching gift fund. So... Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to talk to you about something super duper easy to talk about today, and that's this idea of being offended. How many of you in the last, let's say, six months have been offended at something or someone you've seen and heard, 
either personally or through stuff on the news or stuff on TV or stuff. You've just been offended at something. Raise your hand up in the air. Yeah, we all have, right? We all have uh, been offended at something at some time. I was, um, I, where was I on Saturday? I, was, I, was in, I went into uh, uh, Whole Foods with my wife and we got our little supplies for the week from Whole Foods, all of our little serums and weird things we buy from there. So we went in Whole Foods, it came out, and I had a Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt on. It's normal Saturday gear for me. It's my Saturday outfit, if you will. And I had an Eagles hat on, and some guy walked up to me and said, I can't believe you're wearing that here. Are you stupid? And I, he was like this tall. No offense, Sergio, he was just a little guy. No offense. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, does this offend you? He said, no, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. I said, oh, really? Then why are you asking me if I'm afraid to do that? Because from the way I see it, I could defend this a lot easier than you could defend the New Orleans Saints. He looked at me and said, yeah, you are a pretty big dude, aren't you? I said, nothing but love, man. Who that? He was all pumped I said that. So, but it's funny. It's almost like we live in a time today where we are so sensitive about everything that is said that our feelings get hurt like with everything that's said. Um, it, it's really something. There's a guy, I don't know if uh, this is not relevant to me, but I read an article uh, about the host for this year's MTV VMA Awards. Anybody watch the MTV Video Music Awards? Okay, nobody did. So I'm just going to tell you, and you're not even going to be able to tell if I'm lying or not. So I'm going to tell you a story. There's, a, there's a, an Italian guy um, who is a comedian who was the host this year. His name is Sebastian Maniscalco, okay? And he's, he's pretty funny. I'm not endorsing him because I haven't heard all his stuff. And I know probably because I said his name, the first thing you see probably says 35 F-bombs. I'm sorry. I just read an article that I'm reporting to you this morning, okay? So anyway, he gets on there and says, and he's, he's very... Um, He's got a big Italian accent. He's kind of like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I really related to him. I felt like I was back home in Philadelphia again. So he gets up there and he talks to me. He says, you know, because of today's cultural sensitivity, MTV has decided that in this year's awards ceremonies, we're going to have a comfort room for those that don't win awards. And in this comfort room, there's going to be stress balls that you can, you know, in case you get upset. There's going to be blankies in case your feelings get hurt. Uh, he said that this year MTV was going to do something really, really strange and only give trophies to the winner because it's not Little League Baseball and the people that don't win are not getting participation ribbons, right? And I'm, I'm reading this article and I'm laughing at it. I think that's funny. I think it's hilarious but it went over like a lead balloon at the VMAs. Like everybody's mad at him for saying this. Uh, he made a comment about uh, if it's one of the guys that was in the, I don't even know the, the people that were in the awards, but one of the dudes that was in the awards ceremony apparently through the red carpet rode in on a horse. Do, do, do you know, anybody saw that, know that? Rode in on a horse. He said it was like Little Nas. The guy's name was Little, Little Nas, I think his name was. Little Nas or NAS or something. He comes in on a horse and he like, and he, this guy Sebastian thanked Little Nas for bringing an emotional support animal for those that didn't win awards at the MTV Awards. That's pretty funny, isn't it? It didn't go over very well. People are upset at him 
because they said he did not connect with the millennial Gen X, Gen Y, or whatever it's called generation because we live in a time of heightened sensitivity and emotional support animals are very, very significant to people that need emotional support animals. Uh, My wife and I were flying back from Philadelphia one time and we were right behind this gal going through the TSA line and this, I'm telling you, you have to ask my wife if you don't believe this is true, this literally happened. Uh, She, this gal in front of us had a fish in a bowl and they ran the fish bowl under the x-ray machine. I can't take a bottle of water through TSA, but this little motorized fish that was swimming around in explosive water, right, that went through the, the T, went through fine. And I said to the dude, they just made me throw out my bottle of water and they let this lady bring her fish in a big fish bowl through TSA. I don't understand that. And this is what the guy said to me. Sir, it was an emotional support fish. I I said, come on, dude. He says, no, but I'm getting so sick of all these animals coming in through. I said, word, I'm with you. Because there's nothing more I hate than flying on a pain and some big galunky dog comes up and sits in my aisle, right? Okay, I just made half of you mad at me. Let's pull it back. You know, offense is a real thing. But you know what? There are are things that we, that it's not wrong to be offended at. And it's, it's just, you kind of go through this thing where, What's, what can I be offended at? What shouldn't I be offended at? How should I react? Some of these questions that, were, that, that, that you saw up on the screen, um, I'll read them to you again. My friend said something to me offensive. I don't think they realize it. I can't even talk to them about it. What should I do? I, I can relate to that. You know, you probably have that as has happened in your family or with somebody you're close to. Here's one, and I, I entered this under the category of where angels fear to tread. My husband said something to me about my weight, but he, somebody actually put that in the box. My husband said something to me about my weight. He thinks he's being helpful, but it's starting to hurt. What should I do? Slap him, number one. But number two, we'll go through it later. I'll give you the proper response later on. Number three, um, I don't agree with something the pastor has recently said or done. What should I do? That's a good question. Can't wait to answer that one. Number four, Uh, I approached a friend recently who offended me, and they don't want to hear it. What should I do? Like, I want to make it right with them, but they don't, they only want nothing to do with it. So they just kind of, so what should I do then? So these are real, you know, these are great questions. They all kind of fall in the same category. They were all separate. So the only thing we can do when when we're faced with difficulties in life, where do we go for true truth, unchanging truth, truth that will guide us properly, where it's not based on our feelings, but it's based on something that's real and whole, and it doesn't change, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it's quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, but it kind of pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and here's what it does. It it reveals things to us about God that that are different than we are to Him. Because here's the truth, none of us are God, none of us are like God, even though we were created in his image, we don't think like God, we don't love people like God does, and we don't understand the, 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 the depth of the love that God has for humanity. But man, we sure can be thankful for it this morning, amen? So, so let me read this, these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, And if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they don't listen, 
Take one or two other people with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, go to the church. If they refuse to listen even then, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Ooh, that's pretty harsh. Then Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven again I tell you, if two or three, and this is interesting because we use this verse that, and we kind of apply it to coming to church, right? Where two or three are gathered together, there's God in the midst. This verse is, is part of a passage where Jesus is talking about how to heal offense. So he goes through this process. If somebody offends you, let them know. If they won't hear you, take two or three people over. If they still won't hear you, take it before the church, get some spiritual leadership involved. And then he says, through all that process, I tell you that if two or three of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, it'll be done, uh, it will be done by them, by my Father in heaven. For two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And he's talking about literally that if people handle these situations where they're, affront, they're, where they're offended and they pull God in, in, into that to try to help them to, to solve that issue, God's gonna be right there in the middle of it. I think that's a beautiful passage of scripture. So I wanna give you this morning seven ways to overcome offense. Seven ways to overcome offense. I'm gonna give you a great quote I read by Pastor Joel Osteen. Like him or love him, he's got some great stuff out there from some of his books. I read this the other day, a quote. It says, every day we have plenty of opportunities to get angry, stressed, or offended. If you agree with that, say amen. Man, we could get mad every day. Every day there is something you can get mad at. At the grocery store, right? At a restaurant, driving. My, we could do a whole sermon on drive not whether unless you be driven or something like that because Boy, driving is, is, is such a place where people get so, so mad every day. My goodness. Every day we have plenty of opportunities to get angry, stressed, or offended. But what you're doing when you indulge these negative emotions is giving something outside of yourself power over your own happiness. You can choose not to let little things upset you or offend you. Uh, dictionary.com says this. This is, the, this is the definition of offense. An act of stumbling, a cause or occasion of sin, stumbling block, something that outrages the moral, the moral or physical senses. So let's go through some of these things this morning, how we can deal with being offended. Number one, remain calm. I think sometimes we feel that the physics principle needs to be injected in our response, right? What's the principle of physics when it comes to energy? For every action, there is an equal what? Reaction, right? And same strength, uh, uh, the same amount of pressure or, or strength of a reaction. And we think if somebody gets really, really mad at us and yells at us, right, then the right thing for us to do is to get mad right back at them and yell at the same level. Because we have to defend ourselves. I'm not going to let anybody think I'm a coward or anybody think that, I'm, that I don't know how to take care of my own business or back down from somebody that, that is saying wrongful things about me. So what I have to do to show that I'm not a coward is I have to react. And you know where this is? This isn't necessarily as bad 
like outside, like in the world or driving or like at the grocery store or, or in, in, in confrontations. You know where this gets really bad? It gets really bad at home. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something this morning. I don't like to say this, uh, but it's something I want to try to be better at. Um, I probably don't argue with anybody. This is on the real, real this morning, okay? As much as I do my wife. And I have a great marriage. I love my wife. I really, really do. We have a, we've been married 34 years, have four beautiful girls, three unbelievable, perfect, perfect grandchildren. We had a great time on vacation last week. But I'm going to tell you, there's times she wants to jack slap me. And I probably deserve it. Can I get an amen, wives, a little bit so I don't feel like I'm alone this morning, okay? I know that. I say dumb stuff. Does anybody else do that too? I just say dumb stuff. I think because of our relationship, it's, and you're going, this, your pastor has marriage issues. I just have issues, period, okay? But here, the truth of the matter is we really do fight with the people we're closest to with a lot more rage than somebody that's a total stranger. You know? And we don't fight. It is funny. Come over to my house sometime and ask to see our yearbook. Kim and I met in high school. And in our superlatives, you know, Ed Trinkle's going to be a whatever. Kim Sr. superlative. We were dating. Everybody knew we were going to get married. And we did get married. But Kim Sr.'s superlative is that she was going to be arrested someday for spousal abuse. And they knew she was dating me. She's not been arrested. She is on, she does have an ankle bracelet on right now. And she can't leave the house. And I'm just kidding you. I am going to get slapped now. So anyway... But we think that because, you know, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm gonna really, I'm, this is a major overshare, so please pray for me when I go home today. You know what seems to, tri- how many of you that are married have little trigger points and, and like little things that are no big deal, and like if you were on the outside looking and you couldn't even believe that you were fighting about this, but they're really real and you kind of do fight about them. Raise your hand with me. Okay. Thank you for all the honest people that are in church today, okay? So here's the thing, right? The silly, stupid thing that, 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 that triggers us more than just about anything. You ready for this? This is really, really dumb. When I give her the GPS and she tries to read it to me to tell me what the GPS says so I'm not looking at the phone when I'm driving. God love her heart. The greatest person that's ever walked the face of the earth is my wife, Kim Trinkle. We're not, and she just walked in the door right now so you don't look at her because she's gonna be mad at me. But when she interprets a GPS to me, something kind of gets lost. Isn't that right, honey? Something gets kind of lost because I don't understand. It's 100% me. I know that. It's all me. It's all me. It's all me. (laughs) Do you see my tone change a little bit there? (laughs) But I I think one of the biggest arguments we ever got in since we've been married happened in Los Angeles about five or six years ago. We were downtown Los Angeles. She had the GPS. I was driving. Crazy, crazy traffic. Crazy traffic. It was survival. We were in a little tiny car. Our shoulders were hitting, you know, so we're driving a little tiny car to save money on a rental. She said something I didn't understand. She was 100% right. I totally misunderstood something she said because she was 100% right. But we, we just pulled over, and, man, we, we got like in a WWF wrestling match over this thing, verbally, verbally, okay? And we were And about 30 minutes later, we looked at each other and went, we were just mad at each other over directions. What is wrong with us? You know, we started laughing about it later. 
And sometimes it's sensitive now to talk about it, sometimes it's not. But I don't argue with people. I wouldn't argue with Jack the way that I would argue with my wife. And that's probably not right. But we get very, very reactionary when things are said to us that we disagree with. And, the, and really the comfort in the, in the relationship that we have with people really does determine how free we feel with our speech to them. I said this a couple weeks ago. It's probably not original, but I put my name on it in my notes. It says this, your reaction to an offense says more about you than the person who offended you. The way that you react. You see how they put EM Trinkle there? It looks very official. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse number 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speech, and slow to become angry. I went to school, to seminary, to learn how to speak publicly. Like, I learned how to do that. I learned how to put a message together. I learned how to read and understand the Word of God so that I could communicate it properly. But I don't know of any colleges or secondary training institutions that teach people how to listen. Right? We know how to communicate. We know how to say what we're passionate about. But sometimes, human beings, generally speaking, if I can be so bold to say this, we are really good at saying how we feel instead of listening to see kind of what's going on and taking a temperature of the room or, or even of that person's life. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 4 says, if a, ruler, if a ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post, calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Listen to what um, this great, great leader of men and and, and movements say, LL Cool J. Listen to this statement. When adversity strikes, that's when you have to be the most calm. And that, that's a good word, isn't it? When adversity strikes, that's when you have to be the most calm. Take a step back, stay strong, stay grounded, and press on. I love that. Because what we feel that we have to do is we have to react. You know, we do it in our world. We do it on social media really, really bad. Ugh. This person said this, now I have to respond. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. Stay calm. My dad used to say this all the time when we were younger. I have two brothers and a sister. And um, my second brother, I'm very, very close to. My third brother and I used to fight all the time. And my dad would walk in the middle of me and him having these biggest fist-throwing duke outs of all time. And my dad would look at me and say, can you guys just take a chill pill and relax? And let's talk this thing out. And that's, not, that's just easier, right, than it is to actually talk something out. Um, stay calm. Here's the second thing. When you disagree with somebody, when you have a confrontation with somebody, when somebody's offended you, you ready for this? Because we're followers of Christ, because we are not our own, we've been bought with a price, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Tell somebody you're sitting next to you, love them. And if they're a stranger, say, I'm not weird, but I love you. You can say that to hey, I'm not really weird, but I love you. I love you. Love them anyway. Listen to Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. 1 Peter 4, 8. This is the word of God. This is where we go for truth, not opinion. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. 
Love them first. Love them anyway. Love them in spite of themselves. And if you say, that's impossible. How can I do that? Doesn't God do that for you and me every single day? Like even when we mess up, even when we sin the same thing over and over and over, even when we ask for forgiveness for the same thing, and God listens to your prayer, God's not up in heaven going, ah, again, really? Isn't this like the 900,000th time you prayed about the same thing? And No, God does this. I love you and I forgive you. I love you and I forgive you. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter six. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, let's take a quick survey. How many of you have ever had anybody sin against you? Raise your hand with me. Sinned against you, raise your hand. All of us have. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But, wouldn't that be cool if there was like some musical emphasis in the Bible sometimes? Like if this verse had a little bit of piano riff or some drums, for if you forgive other people, I'm not gonna rap, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you, right? Then you could have this, dun, 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 right? Because it's kind of a word of warning. And then it says this, your father, for you don't, if you don't forgive other people of their sins, your, forgot, your father will not forgive you. Womp, womp, womp. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of, get rid of it. Get rid of it. We love purging our house. We do it about twice a year. We just get rid of stuff. Because stuff just builds up. I don't, I, we, yesterday, yesterday, we got rid of some stuff. We have a sectional in our living room, and my wife wanted to take out the middle section because she just likes to change stuff like that every once in a while, and that's okay. So we found another place for that thing, and it made the room have so much more room. It was weird, like walking around the room and got, well, why didn't we do this earlier? And she said it to me, isn't it good to get rid of stuff? And I said, yes, as long as we're not buying more. So we had a, it was a good conversation we had. Listen to this verse, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every other form of malice. Whew. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Is it, you know what forgiveness can be sometimes? If somebody keeps asking for forgiveness over and over again, it, it, gets, it gets tiresome. Ugh. Yes, I forgive you. God said I have to. Blah, 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 right? Just as, Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Number three, perception really does determine reality for many people. Have you ever been to a football game? or an athletic event, and you went to the athletic event wearing the team's jersey from the visiting team. Yes, I have, I've done that. Thank you for saying that. Because that happens to be what I'm gonna talk about, believe it or not. So um, I went to the Cowboys-Eagles game two years ago, and the Cowboys beat the Eagles in overtime. It was awful. For me, yeah, you can clap on that. If you're a Cowboys fan, say, yay, that happened, yay, they beat the Eagles, yay, yay, yay. It was the year we won the Super Bowl, stop, okay, just stop. So anyway, they beat the Eagles in overtime, right? And I, I mean, we were there, we should have won the game, but they, they, they took it to overtime, then they beat us in overtime, and then I kind of know what it felt like to be a Dallas Cowboys fan in Philadelphia when they would lose in Philadelphia walking out of the stadium. Like, everybody was like, ah, oh, Blankety, blank, 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 and cuss, 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 cuss. And I thought my dad was talking to me, but it was all this, you know, rage. Oh, you Eagles fans stink, sorta. You Eagles fans, ah! And I was laughing because I used to be right in the middle of that when I was at a game in Philadelphia, right? But without saying the cuss words. So I, I'm there, I got my big jersey on, I'm walking out, 
And my brother and I said, you know what? We kind of deserve this because we are wearing the opposite jersey of the home team. We get that. We, kinda, we knew what we were getting into. It was a very strategic decision. But you know what? All of those people that were at that game, not everybody had the same reaction to the way that that game ended. I wasn't wrong for feeling that way. I was born and raised there. That's, my, that's, that's who I put my, all my chips in that basket with, with, with my team. That's what I've liked my whole life. I'm not going to like a different team. It's not going to happen. So when they lose, I'm going to be mad, but a lot of other people are going to be happy. When we did go to the Super Bowl, I was, I was one of those guys in the crowd. A lot of you that were here in our church at the time sent me text messages. I can't believe it either. Congratulations, da-da-da-da-da. We were going crazy. I sat down. I started to cry a little bit. My brother looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, this is really emotional. He said, you cry for the both of us. That's stupid. So I'm like, oh, I can't believe they won. I was thinking about my dad. It was just really, really kind of a cool moment. And then I felt like an idiot because like this 12-year-old kid's walking up the aisle with a Tom Brady jersey on, tears running down his face because his team lost, right? We had total different reactions to the same outcome and neither of us were wrong. That happens sometimes in our lives. I see things differently than my wife sees them. Sometimes, as long as they're not things that are like written in the word of God, it's okay that we feel different about stuff. It really is okay. But what we can't do is we can't react to the way that somebody else is dealing with things like this. Let me read this quote by Mother Teresa. This is really, really super duper rich. It's a really great quote. She said, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. If you agree with that, say amen. Yeah, because I'm that way. Okay, if you agree that you're that way sometimes, say amen, but say quieter. Amen. Amen. Right? People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being kind for selfish motives, but be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and also make some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build it anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best that you have, and it may never be enough. Give them your best anyway. In the final analysis, life or everything is between you and God, and it was never between you and them anyway. Here's, here's number four. When you learn how to overcome an offense, that makes you a winner. That makes you a winner. You know what? It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that you care about the big picture and not just about little. We turn incidents into issues. We have to be very careful not to do that. Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Jeremiah 31, the second half of verse number 34, it says, for I forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Proverbs 17.9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense but whoever repeats the matter separates clo close friends. It separates close friends. So how do you, how, when, you, when you're offended at something, are you known as a reactionary type or are you a peacemaker? Jesus had something to say about that in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are peacemakers. Blessed are peacemakers. 
Here's number five. You really don't know what they know. You really don't know what they know. Even though Kim and I graduated high school together in 1984, and we were married in 1985, uh, we have two very, very distinctly different upbringings, even though it was for only 18 years, 16 years really before we met each other. Her parents are different than my parents. It's kind of funny, when we got married, yeah, on my side of, of the wedding, right, when we were all going through the, with the wedding uh, rehearsal and all that stuff, you had all these gigantic people, right? It was me. I was, I'm huge. My dad's 6'8", weighs like 450 pounds. He's, he's like Megatron. I have a brother that's taller than me. Who's not as, he's not as thick, but he's tall. He's like 6'9". My third brother, my second brother, third child in our family, is about an inch shorter than me, probably has me by about 80 or 100 pounds. My sister's six foot tall, right? So you have all these like really tall, humongous people on one side, and then on Kim's side, it was like uh, uh, the, the family reunion of the Oompa Loompas. Like her dad is like five six, her mom is five four, Kim is five one, her sisters are short. Her brother, her brother's kind of tallish. What's he, about 5'8"? No, about 5'10", maybe. He's a little bit taller than the rest of them. But you had all these tiny people on one side and all these gigantic people on the other side, right? Then you had this tiny, tiny Kim on, on here and this dopey me right here. And we're just different people. And I'm really, really glad about that. I'm really glad at the things that her mother instilled into her. I know my parents did some good in my life, too. My parents were great parents, you know? And there were some great things that I learned from. But we learned differently. We, I worked very, very young. Her family grew very, very poor. And she came from a very, very humble upbringing. But they were a very close-knit family. And there's some strengths that we bring uh, to our marriage together. But you know what there also is? There's some weaknesses. There's some things my family could have been better at. There's things I could be better at. There's some things that her family could have been better at. She's absolutely perfect, so I'm not going to say anything about her. But you know what? I don't always understand the way that she thinks about things. You know what? That's got to be okay. we got to be okay that we're different in some areas. Number six. You may, if you're offended, you may understand or know what the cause of the offense is when you go to make it right. You may have knowledge of that. But just remember this, Jesus said if you represent him, he is the primary cause of all offenses. Because the Bible says if you carry the name of Jesus, just by saying you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to be offensive to people just because you take his name. Uh, not doing what others expect can also be a cause of an offense. You know, how many of you have relationships in your life that have had, had unmet expectations? Well, I thought... I thought when we were friends it was going to be, but it was actually. Or I thought that because we were part of each other's lives, you know. I thought when we got married we were just going to be in love the rest of our life and never fight. Nothing was ever going to go wrong. And it was just going to be, it was going to be butterfly kisses. And what's, how's the rest of that song? Butterfly kisses at night. It was just going to be that, oh, it's just perfect and we're in love and it's romantic and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And we just love, love, love each other, Right? That's just not reality. But here's something else that's true. Unforgiveness towards others to the Lord is offensive. Jesus had a lot to say about this. And I want to read this whole passage to you out of Matthew chapter 18, kind of as we start to land the plane a little bit. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? He's thinking... He's trying to think of an exaggerated amount. Like, 
I'm going to be like the good, because the disciples are always kind of one up at each other. Well, I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Well, I'm going to be first in line. I'm going to be the one that, the, I'm going to be the guy for Jesus, right? So Peter says, you know, Jesus, I'm getting this forgiveness gig that you're saying, so, uh, you know, if somebody offends me, should I forgive them seven times? You know, like he's the man. That's what he's doing there. And Jesus, well, I tell you, not seven times. He probably went, Phew. But 70 times seven times. So they didn't have calculators, watch calculators, iPhones. So he took out his abacus. Anybody know what abacus is? The little thing with beads, right? And he's 490 times. Like he was a literalist, right? So he's thinking, how can I forgive somebody that many times? So Jesus tells a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly application to help Peter understand this principle of forgiveness. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. It was over a million dollars in today's economy. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything that I owe you. And the servant's master took pity of him and he canceled the debt. And he said, you're free to go. Wow. But then it says, but the servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused and said he went out and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant and said, you wicked servant, I canceled out all of your debt uh, of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? In anger, his master handed him back to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. That's a pretty extreme story. And then Jesus comes back and he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Oh. There are some people in this room that carry hurt and offenses that are inexplainable. That when you hear a message about forgiving somebody that's offended you, you kind of, Rightfully so from my standpoint, okay? Say, but you don't understand what happened to me. There's abuse, there's family hurt. And man, isn't it something, the deepest hurt we have is usually by people that we're very close to. It's just, it's amazing how that happens. And, and, and I understand that, I really, really do. I, I, get, I have, that, that's in my family, that's in my life too, so I understand that, that kind of hurt but in order for us to really grasp and understand and celebrate and value the forgiveness that God gave you when you asked for forgiveness, right? The Bible says this, that God demonstrated his love for us. John three sixteen it says, God loved the world so much he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? If you believe in Jesus, you have a relationship with him. You're saved. You'll spend forever and ever with him. It's awesome. But here's what the Bible says about what it took to get to that. God demonstrated his love for us in Romans chapter five, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what that means. Even though we were sinners, it means this. 
We were at the absolute farthest point away from God of being in offense to him. Because sin is the very opposite of God's nature. It's the opposite of what he values. God is love, God is perfect, God doesn't know sin, God can't even look on sin. But God let his own son take your sin and my sin on his body because he loved us that much, he did something about it. So when I think about that phrase, demonstrated his love toward us. If you have received grace, forgiveness, God's love in your life, here's how you demonstrate, you ready? Your love back to God. You forgive people too. And that's a very, very easy thing to say and a hard thing to do. Number seven, offense hurts you more than it hurts anybody else. Psalm 66, 18. If I, had, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Jesus said this in the Beatitudes about how we should handle ourselves, even coming into a, a place of worship. If you're, if, you're, if you're offering your gift at the, if you come to church, you go to the, if you go to the synagogue or go to the temple, and you offer your gift at the altar, but just as you're getting ready to drop that in the offering plate, if you will, suddenly comes to your mind that you are offended at somebody else. Oh, I'm so mad at Daniel Larson. I'm so mad at him. Uh-uh. Right? Monica said, amen, pastor. That's good. Good. You tell him that, okay? It says, first go. Leave your gift at the front of the altar. Leave your gift. Don't put it in the offering plate yet. Yet, please. Don't put it in the offering plate yet. Go and be reconciled to them. Then you come and bring your gift to the Lord. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer. And you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you paid the last penny. Learn how to forgive. What the Lord's trying to teach us there. Matthew 18, again, it says, this is how my father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So let's answer these easy-to-answer questions this morning. Number one, my friend said something to me that's very offensive. I don't think that they realize. I can't even talk about it. What should I do? Go to them, but go to them in love. Say, hey, man, that kind of hurt. I don't want this to be weird with us. I don't want this to be awkward when we're together. We gotta, we gotta, let's, let's, get, let's get through this together because we both love God and we both love each other. And we don't want this to hurt our relationship with one another. But the Matthew 18 principle says, listen, we, you have, if somebody has offended you, you ready for this? If somebody has offended you, you carry the responsibility or the weight of going to that person and making sure it's, you have to give them the opportunity to say they're sorry. Don't just stay in offended land. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm just going to be, I'm not, I'm going to be mad until they say they're sorry. Well, you know what? Sometimes people don't know that you're mad at them and they just feel the awkward. They don't know what, I've said things, husband, so I want to see if you're with me this morning. I've said things to my wife that have hurt her at times and I didn't even know it hurt her. But I wouldn't know it hurt her until she told me. And I thought, we'll come into that little standoff time. And I, something's wrong. Of course something's wrong. Well, what did I do? What didn't you do? Like, and you kind of go, just tell, listen, you're freeing them. 
You're free, but you're also, more importantly, you're freeing yourself from that offense, okay? Second easy to answer question. <sighs> Where angels fear to tread. So, hey, you know what's funny about this one? Somebody wrote this on a card, like they were writing it in, with their left hand when their right hand, you could tell it wasn't their handwriting because they didn't want somebody to even know that they had written this question. That's how, that's how where angels fear to tread this question is. My husband said something to me about my weight, idiot, and he thinks he's being helpful, but it's starting to hurt. What should I do? Whew. Man, bring him to me. He's stupid. I'm just kidding. But listen, tell him his approach or his words are hurtful. But I'm going to tell you something. If, if that really, and I'm not, I'm, listen, I am not devaluing the person that wrote that. I love you in the Lord. I really, really do. And I understand. Because there's some things that bother me that, that my wife doesn't understand too. She's not the sensitive one in our marriage. I'm the one that would be more offended than she is. I'm very, very sensitive. So I, do, I really do understand that. And how sometimes, sometimes our passive-aggressive words can be read and misconstrued and misinterpreted. I get all that stuff, but again, if he doesn't know he hurts you, then he doesn't know you're hurt. And you know what it may reveal? It may reveal something that's even deeper in your marriage that you should be dealing with through counseling. And man, let us help you get to a good counselor, great Christian counseling, where we can help you go through some steps to, to restore your relationship to be what it should be. Because it's funny how we look at counseling, we, Christians kind of look at, count, oh, did you, hear, did you hear the pastors getting counseling? Did you, can you believe he, listen, you know why I get counseling? Because I need it. You know what Kim and I do about once every couple years? We go to a marriage enrichment thing because we want our marriage to be better. Because we want to be strong not only for us and for our kids and for our grandkids, Honestly, and I don't say this to elevate me whatsoever, we want to be strong for you. I want to have a good marriage that you could say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I want to tell you something. It takes work for both of us to do that. So, buddy, don't say that to your wife. Good golly, Miss Molly. But, sweet lady, if you hurt your feelings, tell me did. And let us help you get through that together. And I haven't sweat the whole time I was talking except for now, so let's move on from that. All right. Here's a good one. I don't agree with something the pastor has recently said or done. What should I do? I'm just going to go back to the Matthew 18 principle. I don't know you're upset if you don't tell me you're upset. If it's too much for you to tell me, then bring somebody with you. But listen, I can't make it right if I need to make something right unless you tell me that I need to make something right with you. If I've said something offensive, said something hurtful, did something, I, before the Lord, Never in my heart would I, want to care, would I want to do something that would offend anybody in the church. But I know I'm offended. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not from this part of the country. I'm a Yankee. You know, I'm, we kind of have this thing where we say how we feel. We don't hide how we feel. And sometimes that can be hurtful. I get that. But there is honesty in that too. And you don't have to worry about what I really feel when I walk away from you. You get the whole thing right there up front. But please talk to me and give me the opportunity to make it right with you. Number four, I approached a friend recently who offended me. They don't want to hear it. What should I do? Matthew chapter 18 says, go to them. If they won't listen to you, take a couple other people with you and go to them. If that won't happen, and if it's somebody in our church, come to me or some leaders in the church. We'll go with you. And if they still don't want anything to do with that, here's what you have to do. Forgive them in your heart, and you got to wash your hands of it. Because you gave them the opportunity to try to get that thing right between you two and they refused to do it. You cannot control how people respond. 
You can only control what you're communicating. And if you're sincere and you really love that person, don't burn a bridge in that relationship or they'll never come back to you. Well, I tried to, and they said no, so, uh, right? We, can't, you know, we can do that sometimes as Christians. We gotta be careful with that. Here's why. Here's the big why, and I'll close. You ready? I'm gonna read this passage of Scripture, and we'll pray. Let's not forget what is at stake. The life we have is from the Lord, and our job in our life is to honor the Lord through it. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people... That's you if you know Christ as your personal Savior. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. I love that. <clears throat> because sometimes we got to bear with one another. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes when you're fixing stuff in the house or moving around or doing things or doing dishes or paying bills or fixing cars or, or doing life, you got to bear with one another. Ah, right? we got to bear with one another. I could deal with it, but it says bear with one another and forgive, with one, forgive one another. And if, you have, if any of you has a grievance against anybody, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on Love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. In Jesus' name, everybody say it with me. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we, today, um, I want to thank you that every time that I've taken any knucklehead, awful sin that I've committed to you, without hesitation, you forgave me and cleansed me from my unrighteousness. That's true about every man and woman that's in this room that has felt the conviction of your Holy Spirit, told you that they were sorry, asked for forgiveness, asked for cleansing, instantaneously, you, poof, just like that. That sin was separated from that person that was the offender. As far as the east is from the west, you say that those sins are put into the sea of forgetfulness. As believers, when we go before the judgment seat of Christ, we will not be judged by our sins because our sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we will be judged by our works and what we do or maybe don't do in your name. And I think probably one of the hardest Christian disciplines that we all need to apply to our lives is forgiving people that hurt us. Lord, when we come into a, a, a the town of Plano, suburb of Dallas, in this metroplex where so many people live, and there's a lot of good churches around us, I just can't get over the fact of how many Christians I've talked to that don't go to that church because they were hurt or don't go to church anymore to serve the Lord because they're carrying an offense. And they're kind of, they're kind of wandering right now because they've been hurt and offended, and it's really hurting them more than the person that even did something wrong to them. And it's hard. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to talk about forgiving people than it is to actually do it. So, Father, give us, um, give us the grace and the strength that we need to truly forgive. As we pray, and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I'm not sitting in a place of judgment because I've had some pretty awful things happen in my life 
I get the 490 times forgiving because I could have a real moment with the Lord and forgive a family member that's hurt me catastrophically and and another person that said things about me that were just just weren't right and just trying to hurt and hurt that all of you have experienced and I can have a real moment with God and really just experience grace and forgive that person but something on TV or something in life or something I'll hear will remind me of that and I'll have to forgive that person again it just feels so laborious sometimes how many of you this morning carry a deep hurt or an offense by somebody that's in your life be honest with the Lord. Just lift your hand with me. I carry some, some pretty, pretty deep offense in my life right now. Can you just lift it up? Shoot it up in the air. Come on now. God bless you guys. Would, would you take just a moment and say, God, I don't know how I can do this, but give me the grace and strength to forgive them. Help me to be more like you. Help me to remember that verse that I'm God's chosen people, that I'm holy and dearly loved by you that I'm supposed to clothe myself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And I've got to bear with people sometimes, but forgive everybody. And if I have a grievance against anybody, remember that the Lord forgave me first. And over all these virtues that I need to have in my life, I need to put on love, which binds all of this together and all of us together as God's children in perfect unity. God, give me the grace to forgive. And listen, it may be deeper. There may be some wounds that are that you need help with, we can put you in touch with a great counselor. Run that. We'll help you get to that person and, and help you find that right counselor for you um, to help you go through some of this stuff. Wounds are deep, and they take sometimes they take more than just a prayer. You know, it sounds sounds so simple. So I just pray, and it's going. No, you, you may need some help, and that's okay. Knowing you need the help is a big step. And if you need that help, ladies, see Marianne, see my wife. Guys, see me. Ladies, I'll talk to you too. My wife will be there with me. But we'd sure like to help you to be able to grow through this hurt that you carry in your life. Father, help us this morning not to wander hurt, but to live in victory. Help us to forgive because we've been forgiven. And if we need help, help us to get the right help so that we can live a victorious Christian life and then start to help others that have gone through some of the same junk that we've gone through so that they can experience victory too. We love you and we thank you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it with me. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to...